And I'm going to turn in the scripture to Romans chapter 13. And there's a lot happening in our world right now. And we're hearing many different voices and different sides of different issues are being presented. And what I feel is that the spiritual component is being left out. The forces that are at work behind some of the events that have captured the news headlines over the last five weeks or so um, have been uh, those things that, that are behind the scenes that are motivating a lot of what is occurring are not being discussed. And how that relates in terms of where we are living in this world and what that means insofar as what Jesus said these times in which we live would look like, what the whole and entirety of Scripture says will happen, and what all of that is pointing to. Now, when I say that, a lot of people immediately become afraid, and I want to put you at ease and tell you that I'm not going to preach a message designed or intended to frighten you. Many people already are frightened by some of the things that are happening, the regularity of massive earthquakes, what's going on in Israel and Palestine, and just having come out of COVID and all of these other things that are taking place, the economic issues, the threats of war with Russia. We could go on and on with that. What does it mean in terms of what is unfolding? But more significantly, what is happening in the spirit dimension beyond and behind this because that's the component nobody is trying to address that are trying to figure these things out. You don't hear any politicians talk about this. And until they begin to address some of those factors, you know, we become more advanced every year. There's never been a time in the history of the world when man has been as educated as he is at this moment. Yet we have used all of that intellectual capacity and ability and the technology that results from it to produce weapons that can eradicate us and annihilate us all faster than in any other time in the history of the world. That's terrifying to a lot of young families and young men and young women that have kids that are concerned about the future. I want to remove the element of fear today, and I want to talk to you about what's going on, and I'm turning to Romans 13, and because I'm getting the service a little bit late, I I don't intend to hold you late, but if you'll give me a few minutes, I think you'll think that this is worthwhile. Romans 13, verse 11, and do this knowing the time, this is Paul, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and not in lewdness and lust and not in strife and in envy. Boy, does the world need to hear this message or not? Let's talk about strife. Talk about revelry. Talk about inordinate desires, people not controlling themselves, their passions. We live in that time. That's celebrated, in fact. 
But this is what Paul said. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust or its desires that are incorrect desires. There's this amazing text in the Bible that asks, Watchman, watchman, what of the night? And then it answers its own question by saying, The morning is coming and also the night. And immediately when you listen to that rather enigmatic answer, you say, How is that possible? How can morning come and night at the same moment? And it isn't until you realize that while the sun was rising here on the opposite side of the planet, it was going down. That that makes sense. And so if you're in the kingdom of darkness, I need you to know the sun is setting. If you're in the kingdom of God, the sun is rising. We're facing a new day that's powerful and extraordinary. Where God is at work and it's going to shake the world. And I want to preach from this text in Romans 13 and 11 where Paul says, Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, I want to draw this topic or subject title, What Time Is It? What time is it? Father, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would open your word. I pray that you would minister to our hearts today. Inform us. Give us peace. Your people peace. Because you hold the whole world in your hands. And I truly believe that. I pray that you will address these problems of hatred and animosity and prejudice that exists in our world, the violence that it is provoking, and that you will send revival to all parts of this planet and that the kingdom of darkness will see its sun go down, that its day will end. And I ask this, that you can be exalted as our sun, S-O-N, rises with healing in his wings. We ask it for the glory of God. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. The whole world is focused on the Middle East right now. And I think that we should take the time this morning to talk a little bit about it. One of the tricks of the enemy that he uses, a strategy that he employs successfully, is to make everything divisive and polarizing. Thanksgiving is coming up. May I offer a suggestion? Do not talk politics at the Thanksgiving table with your family. Everything is so polarized and people have such strong opinions and they're so vocal about it that people lose relationships right and left just between me and you. If you're on social media, hadn't you lost enough friends already? You might ought to stop all of that stuff. Posting, I'm, you know, and getting out there and, and all of that and making a bunch of enemies. And the reason is, is because the enemy is behind politicizing every issue. And so people either, they don't want to talk about it or if they do, they want to fight. There's no in between anymore, right? And we at this church, just so you will know, have always endeavored to keep politics out of the equation. We don't get all political here. 
Now, we have strong values, biblical values. But I decided years ago that I would teach you what the Bible teaches. And then you can make your own decisions about the issues without me having to tell you who to vote for. Amen. Now, having said that, in the past, we've had political figures that have come. And they've asked to greet the congregation that I've allowed that. I don't even know if I'm going to do that anymore because we just wanted you to meet candidates. But now if they come, I'll have them stand and acknowledge them. But I want you to know that if you really are searching for a position to take in today's world, listen to this. Joshua chapter 5, Israel had crossed over into the Jordan and into the, the promised land. And they were about to go up against Jericho. And this had been the result of 400 years of slavery and now 40 years in the wilderness. And Joshua, the leader now, since Moses is going to be with the Lord, is walking outside the camp of Israel, looking at the city of Jericho. And out of the corner of his eye, he spies this, this mighty warrior clothed in battle armor. And he is at first afraid, like, has somebody come out here? Am I going to be assassinated? And so he probably put his hand on his sword and he shouts out, are you for us or against us? And the warrior answered, no. It's kind of a strange answer to that question. And he said, no. He said, I'm have come, I have come as the captain of the Lord's host, meaning the head of angel armies. Because he's the Lord of hosts. That literally means the head of angel armies. That's one of God's names. And he said, no, Joshua, I'm not here to be on your side or their side. I'm here to ask you, are you on my side? And in today's world, that ought to be the question that everybody's asking. Which side is God on? Can I hear somebody say amen? You see, but part of the problem is that they are telling us there is no God. Our kids have gone away to universities and been taught that. And, and in the culture, they're trying to attack the idea of the existence of God. And I will grant this. If there is no God, pick your own side. Doesn't matter. One's as right or wrong as the other. But if there is a God, we need to find out what he's got to say about the matters that we are dealing with in today's world. I wish somebody would help me and say amen. And I definitely believe there is a God. I definitely believe that. And as Daniel said, he rules over the affairs of the kingdom, kingdoms of men. Now there's an organization that's called the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. And it is what you think. It is a, an organization of atomic scientists. And they publish each January what is called the doomsday clock. Have you heard of it? Well, this past January, they moved the time of the clock, the hands of the clock to 90 seconds before midnight. Midnight means the annihilation of humanity on the planet. The annihilation of the earth. Is there anybody going to put that up? There it is behind me. Okay. Thank you. And this coming January, and they did that because of the war in Ukraine. What do you think is going to happen now that this conflagration has broken out in the Middle East? You and I are living in very serious, momentous times. And I'm going to talk about that. In the past, I've talked about revivals that have occurred and are occurring in Arab nations like Iran. 
One of the greatest revivals that's going on in the world right now is in the underground church in Iran. In spite of what's happening with the leadership, the people are crying out for God. And they're having encounters with God. It's happening in Saudi Arabia. I know missionaries that tell about people they meet and that numbers of people that all have had the same dream and don't know that they've each had it where they, they meet Jesus in a dream at night and he tells them, I am the one you're looking for. There is revival that is happening around the world. There's revival happening in China. I've shown you in the past where for two solid hours, a gathering of 10,000 Coptic Egyptians, which are Arab in terms of their ethnicity, shouted nonstop. I'm talking about two hours. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You could not get them quiet. So I've talked about what God is doing among Arab people, but today... I want to focus on the Jewish people and what is behind what you're reading about and hearing about and seeing in the news and the sign of revival that is coming to the Jewish people. You see, the question is, how are leaders going to fix those problems over there? And to be able to do that, you have to figure out the context for what is happening. They're at war right now and that is something that, that, you know, could erupt and go the wrong way at any moment. America's been drawn into it. October 7, over, uh, somewhere around 1,400 Jewish people were slaughtered by terrorists. And hundreds more taken hostage. We had Americans that died. Americans, so far as I know, are still hostages. And America's taken a side on that. We're having rioting in our nation. And I believe one reason for that is people don't understand the spiritual component behind some of this. And there have been people that have been caught trying to sneak into our southern border who were on the terrorist watch list. And there are people caught carrying explosives. And everybody's concerned about what that might mean. And there's still some folk that are trying, well, I believe this and that because... And, 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 you know, just goodness, what we need to do is ask whose world is this? And what does God have to say? Because it's not my world and it's not yours either. We're just stewards of it. Psalms 24 and 1 said, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Amen. This is God's world. And right now, I'm not too sure that we're doing the best job stewarding what he's given to us. And so with this war in Iran supplying Hamas and Hezbollah, uh, Hezbollah, and you see all of this and, and Russia being involved and China is, has sent six warships to the Middle East. And you remember the prophecy in Revelation where God's word, John, said that an army of 200 million people will come from the east and march over the Euphrates and they're going to come into the Middle East and the Euphrates is just about dried up. And you look at that and there's only one country to the East that can field an army of 200 million and that's China. It's the only army in the world that, that uh, the only nation in the world that could field an army that large. 
and Russia's involved and Iran is involved and Turkey and, and my God, it's like reading the prophecies of the Bible and they're coming to pass while we're seeing them. And so people will take sides on this whole issue and they will say, if there is no God, then I'm voting for this side or this side. But what we need to remember is that God owns the earth. We're just here temporarily. Amen. And in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, three times God told Abraham, I'm giving this land to you and to your descendants forever and ever. Three times. Did you know that's in your Bible? And then again in Genesis 26, he told Abraham's son, Isaac, I'm giving this land to you and your descendants. And then in Genesis 28, he told Jacob, Isaac's son, I'm giving this land to you and to your descendants forever. That's five times right at the beginning of the Bible in its first book. And there are many other passages where God says this throughout the word of God. And I mention this because we, if you don't know the history of the Bible, you get the idea the only reason there's a nation called Israel there is because the United Nations passed a resolution and gave them that land. Not so. God gave it to them over 2,000 years before Jesus was ever born. I wish I, could, wish I could hear somebody that knows the Bible say, I knew that. Amen. Amen. Like I said, if there is no God, then okay, let them sort it out. But if there is a God, then we need to recognize that. And I want to say up front, I don't believe that Israel's handled everything right. I'm not one of those that's going to get up and defend anybody's wrongdoing, even my own. I want to simply say this. We live in a flawed, broken world. And I want you to realize that nobody right now is doing everything the way they need to over there. But when you go back and look at the teachings of Scripture, you have to ask, if God owns this world... Does Israel have a right to be there? Because you've got one group that's saying from the river to the sea, just wipe them out completely. And clearly the Bible tells us Israel has the right to the land. Amen. Can somebody again say, that's right. And so the result is there's war, there's conflict, there's hatred, there's animosity. The leaders of the world they don't know what to do to resolve this. And one suggests this and another suggests something else. Do you know that the Bible predicted this time and said that it is during this time that Israel is going to begin to cry out in their desperation and that God's going to send them a revival as they cry for their Messiah to come. It will be during a time of great conflict and woe that the scripture calls the time of Jacob's trouble, meaning Israel. And so Israel rejected Christ. And a lot of people say, well, that's why all of this is happening. But in reality, I want you to understand it wasn't the Jews that crucified Jesus. You've heard that that's why they're hated. But it wasn't the Jews that crucified Jesus. True, the Jews arrested him, tried him, turned him over to Pilate. But Pilate was Roman 
And Pilate is the one that condemned him to die. And it was Roman soldiers that nailed the hands and feet of Jesus to the cross. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. I did. You did. He died for our sins. Do you get it? Amen. He took our sins upon himself as the sacrificial lamb of God. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And he died for me. It was my sins that put him there. And your sins and Jewish sins and Gentile sins. That's who hung Jesus on the cross. But the Jews rejected Christ because Paul explains in Romans, God caused blindness to happen to them that you and I who are Gentiles could then be grafted in. And so he talked about the, the root being God. And from the root came the natural tree that was Jews, but they experienced blindness. And though Christ was in front of them, the rock that they rejected became the chief cornerstone. And you and I were grafted in when they rejected God. Amen. But Paul goes on to point out to us that the day is coming. I read in Romans eleven twenty four: for if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature... And were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. How much more will these, the Jewish people, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then Israel is going to turn to God. For the Bible said, so all Israel will be saved. This is Paul writing. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. During the time of Jacob's trouble, Israel will be rejected by the world. And they're going to cry out to God. And God's going to hear their cry. And their Messiah is going to come. I'm preaching today. These are the forces that are behind the headlines that you're seeing right now. So don't fall into that old pattern of hatred of any people. Because there's a lot of that that goes on. And it is traced back to what they call deicide. Man killed God. The Jews killed God. Therefore we should hate them. But listen to what... Isaiah said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I feel the Lord in this house right now. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If Jesus had not died for us, we would not be here. And so I'm glad it was my sins that nailed him to the cross. Because if my sins had not nailed him there, I would not be able to be a child of God this morning. 
I give God praise. And during this time, the Jews are going to begin to cry out or a time like this. I don't know when Jesus is coming, but the Bible speaks of a war that will cause all nations to be against Israel. Zechariah 12 verses 2 through 3. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. And when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone, a complex problem in other words. For all peoples, all who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. All nations gathered against it. They just passed a resolution this week in the United Nations. And every nation except six condemned Israel. And I'm glad that America was one of the six that refused to vote yes on that resolution to condemn Israel. And that doesn't mean that I don't love the, don't love the Palestinian people. I do. I pray for them. I pray for them to have revival. But God said the world is going to gather against Jerusalem. And in their despair, they're going to cry out to God, Zechariah 12 and 10. When they do, God said, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierce. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. I know there are some that are out there preaching, oh, that's already happened. No, it hasn't. Because when this was written, Jesus hadn't even been born, much less crucified. But when he returns, after they have cried out, they're going to look and they're going to say, where did you get these wounds in your hands? And he's going to say, these are the wounds that I, wherewith I was wounded in the house of my friends. And then in Zechariah 14 and 3, he's going to fight for them. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. I can tell you what, you may have had some fights in your lifetime with relatives and in-laws and outlaws and everybody else. But the one you don't want to have a fight with is God. Amen. This is what the Bible describes as the battle of Armageddon. When you read the verses, you tell me what this sounds like. Zechariah 14 and 12. And this shall be the plague which the Lord, with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. We're talking about a nuclear conflict and the world is powerless to pull it back because they're not dealing with the spiritual forces that are behind it or acknowledging the Lordship of Christ. And after that battle has come and the Jews have welcomed and cried out and their Messiah has come to save them, Zechariah 14, 16, this is what will happen. It shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. You know what's going to happen? That problem they couldn't solve. That the leaders of our world could not fix. Once they realize it's not a war of religion. It's a, it's, a, it's a different kind of war. There are spiritual forces involved. It's Satan warring against God. 
Amen. And once that war has been, the Lord returns, the nations are going to see it with clarity. And they're going to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's a new day coming. God is going to be enthroned in righteousness. Can somebody in the building who knows that Jesus personally say thank God for who he is? And this is what concerns me because right now, at this moment, Jewish people are crying out for their Messiah to come. I'm about done, but I'm going to close with a song that I just found. It's by a, a Jewish Orthodox singer named Avraham Freed. That's short for Friedman. Freed is his stage name. Perhaps he's the most popular Orthodox Jewish singer in the world right now. And he is a Kohen, which means he can trace all his ancestry back to Aaron the priest, the brother of Moses. I want you to hear the passion that they are expressing as they cry out to God. He was performing in the Sultan's um, pool, I think it's what it's called, an open amphitheater in Jerusalem that seats thousands and thousands. And it is filled with Jewish people. And they're crying out. And there are people throughout that, that crowd weeping, rocking back and forth. There are people that are crying for the Messiah. He is weeping. It was a whole concert. And the words of the song, I know you're not used to this kind of singing. And I know the language. Most of us, if not all of us here, probably don't know it. Some might. But the words go, the God who is loves us. And they're singing to the Father. Because the next word goes, the God who is our Father. In the war, he protects us. Invisible in our midst. And then it goes, my Father, he is the king of the world. And then it comes to this refrain. Abba, 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 Mele, Halam, which means Father, 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 King of the world. King, 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 Father of the world. You forgive over and over again. You are my hiding place. And it concludes by saying, Father, Daddy. They're crying out to God right now. And they're doing it with passion like you can't believe. And I want them to play a little bit of that. And you can see what... I'm talking about this is what's going on behind the scenes right now. O Melchaola
אוהב אותנו, פאשן פור גאד. 
God, I love you more than I've ever loved you. I'm not going to let anybody that doesn't know Jesus worship you more than me. Have some of us got caught up in a lukewarm Laodicean attitude and don't even know it? Number three, don't become seduced by the spirit of this age that is so anti-God. Don't get caught up in all of this hatred and animus. God, could you just lift your hands and say this, forgive us of racism. Come on, shout it out. Forgive us of racism. Forgive us of ethnic hatred. We're all made of one blood. Whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, it makes no difference. You're my brother. You're my sister. Can I preach the way that I feel like preaching? We're children of God. Stop letting people divide us. Stop letting people separate us and make us hate each other all the while they're claiming that they're working toward peace when they're not. In harmony, when it's the farthest thing on their mind. And finally, four, and I'm done. Pray. Could somebody just shout that out loud? Pray. Pray for peace. Pray. Pray for Israel and the Palestinians. I don't want to see anybody's kids die. I don't want to see anyone's grandchildren die. There's been enough of this kind of stuff in the world. God, we need you. We need you, God. And pray for revival. Pray for revival. Pray for your family. Pray for the nations of the world. Pray for Christ to reveal himself. Would you stand with me? Oh, I feel God in this house. Is there anybody that will just lift their hands and say, Father, you're the king of the world. You're the king of the world. You're my king. We'll get to the place if you'll help me, Lord, where I'll stop letting people fill my heart with all of this animus. We ought to say that to the Lord. Lord, to say, God, help us. Help us. Every head is bowed. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you're at home. And you realize the days we're living in and our need of God in this world. We can't make it without him. Would you just slip up your hand and say, pray for me, pastor. I need God. Raise your hand all over the building. Hands raised. Keep raising them. Keep raising. I see hands up all over this building. All over this building. I want to pray for you. First of all, 
Let's just repent before the Lord. Lord, it was my sins that nailed you to that cross. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Take away my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Sit on the throne of my life. Today I declare you're my Redeemer. My Savior. And I receive you as my Savior. In Jesus' name. And everybody, let's give the Lord an applause and welcome these with a great shout of victory. Hallelujah. They're putting some things up on the screen behind me. Let us know if you need prayer. You gave your heart to the Lord. You need to be baptized. I would urge you to go on and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Become a Bible-believing Christian. Be a member of the of a church. We would well love to welcome you as part of this one. We will embrace you as your family. Amen. And then I write a daily devotional. You can begin to grow your relationship with God with all of us. It can be sent to your phone, but you would have to subscribe to it. It won't, won't cost you anything. And now I want us to conclude because I don't know what's got a hold of you, but I feel intercession in my, 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 my bones. I feel intercession just gripping my heart. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you. How many will come forward and just stand up here for a moment and we're going to pray together? Come. Cross the building. We're going to pray about this situation. I have a dear friend who's going to be with the Lord. I used to be his pastor. He was a member of this church. His name is Mike Massengill. And he used to joke and said, he would say, my God, pastor, has it come to that? We've got to pray now. It's really come to that. It's come to that. If you need a breakthrough in your life, this is the time for you to get it too. We're going to pray for this nation. We're going to pray against that conflict. We're going to pray for Israel. The Bible said pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's the Bible. We're going to pray for breakthrough. We're going to pray for revival in Palestine. We're going to pray for revival among the Jewish people. We're going to pray for revival around the world. We're going to stop asking, God, are you on my side or theirs? And we're going to start praying, God, let me be on your side. Let me be on your side. I want to be on your side. Would you bow your heads with me? I want you to say this after me. Father, we are your children. We need you. We need you like never before. We are praying for you to provide solutions. For your kingdom to come. 
We've seen enough of the selfishness, the hatred, the animosity, the greed, the divisiveness. And we ask you to reveal yourself as the Prince of Peace. We intercede for this world. We pray about what's happening right now between Ukraine and Russia, other conflicts, Israel and Palestine. You can settle the storm. You can bring peace. We ask for your divine intervention. Reveal yourself to this hurting world. Step forward. Make yourself known. Prove to the deniers who say there is no God that you are alive and that you rule in the affairs of the sons of men. As your church, we turn to you now. We call on your name. We look to heaven. We ask you to heal our land. 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 Touch my heart. Make a change in me. Help me to live out the full meaning of what it is like to be a Christian. A child of God. And not just on Sunday. But every day of the week. Fill me with the fire. And the passion that I saw on that screen a while ago. For I don't have a lackadaisical attitude or a Laodicean heart, but that my passion for you is strong and fervent. Help me to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind and all of my strength and bring revival to this city to this state to this nation and to the nations of the world we call on your name Abba Father you're a good father and we love you you forgive us again and again You hear our prayers over and over. You respond to us when we're in trouble. And the world is in trouble. But I thank you for the hope that I have. Because I know how this is going to end. You're Lord. But not just Lord. You're Lord of everything. You're King of kings. 
and Lord of Lords. And the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God.